The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? Ooh. How are you now? Folks, your Montreal Canadiens lose, but they lose this time 4-3 to three to the Carolina Hurricanes in a shootout. Hello and welcome to episode uh, 64 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and Tank Nation, let me talk to you. You know, we've been doing this every episode now, right, uh, right off the top. Uh, yeah, the Habs get a loser point in this one, and that kind of hurts the tank a little bit. But I'm, I'm going to get to it in the recap and then afterwards. That There were some, still some things that you could be excited about there while still being a little bit upset about the loser point. Personally, I would have probably preferred that they lose that one in regulation. Um, you know, the tank's been going pretty well lately. Uh, they got passed by Vancouver, and now they're, I guess, tied with Vancouver because Vancouver was one point ahead of them. So... You know, not the best night for the tank, but uh, also not the worst. You know, if, if they had gotten the two points, we could maybe have a different conversation at this point. But at least it was an exciting game, went down to the wire, and then we had a long shootout as well. So let's get into the recap, because it's going to take me a while to get through all of that. Um, this game actually started off way, way better than I expected it to uh, against the Hurricanes of all teams. I figured the Hurricanes were going to dominate possession from pillar to post in this one, and it was going to get pretty ugly, but it didn't. Uh, they were hemmed in for about the first minute of the game, but then after that, they were the team that was pressing more, um, for at least for the, the first little bit, in the, uh, and really for the almost the entire first period, getting some legit chances. Mike Hoffman actually squeaked one through uh, on Antti Ranta that just somehow managed to go wide instead of going into the net. Uh, Alex Belzil had a golden chance in the slot, but put it over the net, uh, drawing a penalty on Jordan Stahl in the process, and somewhere in all of that, Antti Ranta got hurt. Uh, I think it was on the the Mike Hoffman chance. He kind of went down and uh, went into his butterfly and looked like maybe it was a groin. I have no idea. I'm not a doctor. Groin, knee, it was something lower body, and he actually had to come out of the game uh, eventually. So, man, it it was... I don't want to say it's a good period after saying that their goaltender got hurt because that's that's not what made it a good period, but it was a pretty good period for the Habs. And then, just under 10 minutes to go in the period, Michael Pizzetta with a beast of a shift. Takes a little curl at the outside hash mark, uh, going up towards the point, and just kind of throws one on net. Rebound goes to Alex Belzil, and he gets an easy one. one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. Not too long after that, Kane's D-man, I forget who it was, uh, one other fucking defenseman, takes a tumble on a rush, and uh, Jonathan Drouin in almost alone there. Ends up looking like he goes to the net. I Initially, I thought he was stopped. But it turns out he actually threw a beautiful backhand pass to Mike Hoffman, who was following up behind him, and he cleans that one up no problem, makes it 2 nothing for the Habs. Before they even managed to announce that goal, though, the Hurricanes go the other way, basically right off that faceoff. And uh, they get a two-on-one, basically, from the blue line in. Jacob Slavin uh, elects to just shoot it from near the faceoff dot, and it's a laser. 
makes it two to one. And that's your score at the end of 20. All things considered, that was a pretty damn good period of hockey for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, again, I was expecting it to look way worse than it did. And uh, they, they impressed me, honestly. Very early second, though. Canes get an offensive zone draw, and they got a really nice set play. I don't know what it is about them. They seem to have a lot of set plays that they do off of offensive zone uh, faceoffs. And uh, this time it's Brady Shea. He comes down from the point, gets a cross-ice pass from Brett Pesci. And Jake Allen has no chance on this one. Just a beautiful set play. And it's 2-2. Two to two, And this is where I'm thinking, you know, the, number one, the Hurricanes are going to start taking over the game. But wait. But wait. A few later. Bit of a suspect zone entry. It looked like it might have been offside. But there was no challenge anyway, so it doesn't matter. Chris Tierney has a look from the left side after the zone entry, puts a perfect pass down low into the slot to Michael Pizzetta on the doorstep, and he puts it in, and that makes it three to two. Strong-ish period from the Habs from there on out, but a lot of that had to do with Jake Allen. Jake Allen kind of leaning into the frame of uh, this game's photo, so to speak, and uh, kind of photobombing it for the Canes and making sure that you know the Habs do get to the third period with a one-goal lead. Less than three minutes into the third period, though, Derek Stepan drives the net. Uh, he knocks Allen into the net, and Paul Stastny gets an easy one on the ensuing rebound. But it gets challenged by Martin Saint-Louis for goaltender interference. And we know how fucking inconsistent the NHL is when it comes to goaltender interference calls. I'm looking at this, and I'm like, there's no way it could be a goal. But, of course, it's going to be a goal. And su- to my surprise, they actually overturn it. No goal. Still 3-2 to two for the Habs. Jake Allen continues holding the fort for them throughout that period. You know, really, the Canes are pressing to try to get back into this thing. And eventually, they break through with just over three minutes to go. Point shot on from Pesci. Jesper Fast gets the rebound at the side of the net and puts it in easily. 3-3 three to three is your score. Canes, they press for those final three minutes after that goal. They tried to get it over in uh, regulation there, but they couldn't. And we go to overtime. Overtime, it's fucking cocaine. Like a pile of fucking mountain of cocaine this overtime. There's chances at both ends. Mike Matheson put on a show. He landed a brutal open ice hit on uh, Casey Nietzsche's. I, th- I think that's how you pronounce his name, Nietzsche's. I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. He got nailed in open ice. An open ice hit at three on three. Who does that? He's throw- He's doing spin moves in the offensive zone trying to create shit. It was wild this overtime. Jake Allen put on a show too. He had to make some quality saves. This was one of the better overtimes I've seen. And still, nobody manages to score. We go to a shootout. And as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, it was a pretty long shootout. So Rem Pitlick goes first. And he decides to just skate in go to the forehand in the slot and just take a shot and he scores brent burns up next for the canes does the same thing just skates into the high slot takes a shot on the forehand scores nick suzuki goes next for the habs with a filthy absolutely disgusting deke to the backhand puts it in if you haven't seen it go to my twitter at drake mt there i go plug in my own twitter again i've got a highlight up there for you it was beautiful and then it's Andrei Svechnikov up next, and he hits the post. Jonathan Drouin is up with a chance to win it. He gets stopped by Freddie Anderson, who I forgot to mention was the goaltender, of course, that came in to replace Ranta. And then it's Teravainen next. He has to score to keep it going. Goes to the backhand and goes top cheese on Jake Allen. And we keep going. Christian Dvorak up next. He gets stopped by Anderson. Then it's Sebastian Ajo. He gets stuffed by Jake Allen. Rafael Harvey Pinar up next hits the post 
Seth Jarvis tries a backhander. He gets stopped by Jake Allen. Josh Anderson up next for the Habs gets stopped by the blocker of Freddie Anderson. And then guess who? Of all players on the Carolina Hurricanes roster to go next. It's Jesperi Kotkaniemi. He comes in, fakes a clapper, and keeps it on his forehand, snipes upstairs, game over. Who the fuck else was going to do it? I mean, I, I kid you guys not, we were in the Slack chat as this shootout was going along, and my buddy Jared Book, um, if he's listening to this, Jared, you're a savant, man. He comes into the chat and he says, can they just put Kakanyemi out there already so we can get this over with? And sure as God's got sandals, they did. And sure as God's got sandals, he scored. So um, I, I think everybody and their cousin knew that he was going to do something in this game uh, to have an impact, particularly in front of the Montreal crowd. Um, you know, more power to him. Um, I think we all knew it was going to happen. And, uh, of course, there you go. It happens. So, um, yeah, the point, not great for the tank. Let's face it. I don't love uh, having last night Vancouver pass us and uh, improve the lottery odds and then now we're basically tied with them again but I don't think that the point is such a brutal impact to the tank that it's not able to be recovered you know we'll see what happens in some other games as well I mean Florida won two tonight which is also not great for the tank because we have their pick Um, St. Louis and Arizona as of me talking right now are tied that'd be great if they went to overtime and both of those teams pick uh, pick up some points that'd be fantastic San Jose is getting dummied by Colorado so we got no help there Um, the Islanders well the Islanders I don't think we're really competing with them at this point but they beat Buffalo so take that however you will Philadelphia lost so that's not great. Columbus picked up a point going to overtime against the Penguins. Uh, it's not the worst tank night in the world. It's not the worst. It's certainly not the best, but it's not the worst. So I don't know. I think the best thing that we can do is try to take some positives from that game from a performance standpoint, and there were a few of those. So let's start with your first silver lining of the night. I'm going to give you a few on this one, but it's Rafael Harvey Pinar. He played an absolutely incredible game for the Montreal Canadiens. He was everywhere. Doesn't matter to me if he fills the net or not. If he's going to play like that on a regular basis, man, you got to write him in with Sharpie for next year's lineup. Like, put him in there. There's no shot. I don't see a universe at this point with the way he's playing where he's not on the opening night roster next year. It has to be. He made some ridiculous plays in this game. His forechecking was tenacious, it was constant, it was relentless. He had a play in the third period where uh, he's in a puck battle with Sebastian Ajo. He wins that battle and gets the puck in deep. And then, you know, a few things happen and the Montreal Canadiens no longer have the puck. And I think it was Slavin, it was one of their defensemen, tried to clear it up by flipping it up. And Harvey Pinal jumps in the air, grabs it with his hand, puts it back down, and he goes right back to work. He had a play in the second period where he blocked a shot with the, uh, with the inside of his foot, the worst place to block a shot with. It hurts like hell. Blocks it with the inside of his foot, kind of almost falls over as a result of blocking the shot, but still corrals the puck and then gets on his horse and starts transition with speed. This guy is, yeah, he he's pure energy constantly, every single shift. The effort level that he gives is unmatched. We were talking about it in the uh, EOTP Slack chat and uh, Scott Matla brought it up that, you know, with the way he's playing, like he's a viable Gallagher replacement at this point. 
you could potentially take a look at moving Brendan Gallagher. I know this might not be easy with his contract, but all that aside, he's legitimately a potential Brendan Gallagher replacement. It just goes to show, like, don't sleep on those late round picks. You can find some absolute gems, and they found one with Harvey Pinar. I mean, <laughs> kid's got nothing left to prove at the AHL level. Let him play with the Habs next year. If he keeps doing this night after night, you know you've got a guy that can definitely contribute in your bottom six. And when the need arises, he can step up and he can play with the best players that you have to offer. He's capable of keeping up with them. He looked like the best forward on the ice for the Montreal Canadiens in that game. And he didn't even score. So take from that what you will. That's my opinion. Uh, you may have a different opinion, but I was incredibly impressed by the way he played that game. That was one of his better games, and he didn't even score. Just imagine that. Incredible. Your second silver lining. I've talked about this guy quite a bit lately. It seems like he keeps coming up. It seems like he keeps having fantastic performances for the Habs. It's Mike Matheson. Mike Matheson was a beast out there. He's looking like he's he's balls to the wall every shift. Similar to Harvey Pinal. Like he takes some risks that he maybe shouldn't take. Sometimes he, he goes on some uh, skates up the ice where you're like, ooh, maybe he shouldn't have done that one. But every time he does it, you're still on the edge of your seat. That hit that he landed on Nietzsche in uh, the overtime period, when do you ever see open ice hits at three-on-three? When do you even see anybody with the audacity to try an open ice hit at three-on-three? So much can go wrong. But he basically was looking at because Nietzsche had done this a couple of times on that shift where he was coming out wide and then up near the point and then coming down and then he would cut one way or the other. And I think Matheson just kind of figured out the pattern of what he was trying to do and predicted that cut and then just met him. Right when he tried the cut, Matheson's shoulder was right there and he ran right into it. He didn't even really have to move very much. He just kind of adjusted himself a little bit and got himself directly in the path and, uh, and sat him down. It was beautiful. And then later that same shift, he goes down the ice and he's doing a uh, Savardian spinorama in the offensive zone trying to generate something. I was honestly upset that they didn't let him have a shot in the shootout. I would have liked to see Matheson get a chance there because the way that he was playing, I think you know he was maybe the guy. Now, Tank Nation's probably saying, shut the fuck up, Matt. We didn't want to win that game, so why would we want to put out the guy that had the best chance of scoring? Well, you know, that's just the the fan in me, the the diehard, want to see him win all the time fan that's going, well, I would have liked to see that guy, with the way that he played in that game, get that chance near the end of the game. But it doesn't matter. You know, we were we, we don't need the win anyways, so uh, we'll, we'll take the loser point and we'll we'll move forward, right? I'm going to cut the silver linings at, at those two guys, but that's not to say that there weren't other good performances. Jake Allen, you got to take your hat off to him. Um, that game doesn't go to overtime without him, which Tank Nation's probably a little bit upset about. Honestly, I was a little bit upset about it myself, even watching that game. Um, after after 20 minutes, it was pretty even. After 40 minutes, it was like, well, Hurricanes should probably be taking this one. After 60 minutes, it was like, yeah, this game should be over, but it's not. And Jake Allen is probably the catalyst. He's the the deal breaker there that made it go one way or the other. Um, if he takes a couple of minutes off here and there, that game could have been, I don't know, 5-3, maybe even 6-3 for the Hurricanes before the overtime happens. So, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't stop players from playing, right? Jake Allen, he's got a, a new extension that's starting next year, and he might be in a new home. Um, the, the better he plays, the, the better chance there is that Montreal might be able to find uh, a suitable trade partner, somebody who's willing to give something serious up to get him on their team at the price tag that he's going to be paying, uh, that he's going to be playing for rather next season. 
Um, yeah, can't stop players from playing. Can't stop tendies from tendying. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Um, who else, though? Michael Pizzetta. Uh, I felt like he had a really effective game. Jonathan Drouin had an extremely effective game. That assist that he had on Mike Hoffman's goal was gorgeous, man. I swear, I was watching that. Like I was, I was watching it on my big TV, not even my small one that I normally watch it on. I got a smaller one in my office. I got a big one downstairs, right? And even on the big TV, I thought that was a stop shot that just happened to find its way to Mike Hoffman. And I'm like, well, good work, Dwayne. But then I see the replay and I'm like, what the fuck? He, that was a 10,000 IQ play. Like he actually cut to the net. He made everybody think that he's about to go to the backhand and shoot. And he just flips it back. And Mike Hoffman gets a tap in easy one. Gorgeous stuff. Nick Suzuki thought he had a pretty good game as well. Obviously, that goal in the shootout was nuts. Um, had a bit a bit of a tough go in the regulation time, but that's because you know he's the best player that the Habs have right now. He's getting matched up with the with the best that the other teams have to offer as well. It's not an easy time for Nick Suzuki right now. He's not getting any easy games. He's not getting any easy matchups. But I thought he played pretty well, all things considered. Quick final announcement here i am going on a slight little trip here for the next week so the, my next couple of episodes might be a little bit late to actually get published uh, on all platforms we'll see i'm going to try to get them out at the same you know normal time immediately after the game that i normally do i'm not leaving the country or anything i'm going to be still in the country um i'm not going to be too far away from home so i'm still going to have you know my regular equipment with me and everything so i'm going to have episodes it just might be slightly later because i got some things that i got to do during this trip but um it is what it is. I'll try to have them out at the normal times. Just letting you know. If the next couple of episodes aren't out at the time that you normally watch them or listen to them, rather, um, they will be out. They will be out eventually. So I'll have them for you. I'm going to cut it off there. We're running, uh, well, about 18 minutes. So it's a grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Play. Uh, we're on Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you. As always, for listening, and of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.